You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Oh, I gotta get my cables out of the way here. Okay. All right. I think I'm ready. You think? Are, are uh, you, we'll see. Well, you know, if you're not ready, we can always wait a few more minutes until you get ready. <laughs> oh, no, I'm ready. I just had to make sure my cables is lined up and everything and coffee at hand and okay. mine clear. Mine, mine's a vacant. Anyway, listeners, welcome to Geekiest Show Ever, episode 108, and you hear people that don't sound familiar. Well, you hear half of an ass that sounds familiar, and that's me, Kevin. And the other half this week, we have a guest because, well, I'll explain that after I introduce our guest. He's, he's well known to the listeners of this show. We have my friend and yours, Mr. Mike McPeak. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. I thought you were going to say that we didn't sound right, but that's kind of or didn't sound right. That's kind of a given with us, though. So yeah, we're a little off to the left, and we go veer to the right occasionally. <laughs> we're we're all over the map. So <laughs> yeah, but if the listeners are wondering where Mark is, well, I think Mark might have another uh, bout of the uh, Mankini flu. It is winter down under, so and I think he might have been outside mowing the yard and. In his mankini, which there's a picture that nobody really wants, but um, he actually texted me. He is feeling a little bit better today. He did say that when I talked to him. It was early my day, Saturday, and he was Saturday night getting ready to go to bed or crap. I don't know. He's 14 or 15 hours ahead of me, so I'm lucky I can remember that much. It, so. It's the same problem I have on Sci-Fi Tech Talk. Every time we do a time travel uh, episode, my head hurts because just trying to wrap your mind around time differences just makes my head hurt. It yeah, it always will make your head hurt. But he is on the mend. But this week you've got two old farts back in back in charge again, as as we've become lovingly known, the old farts of the show. So uh, since we since we share a a commonality, we even share a birth year, so it works out very well for us. Yeah, there's not that big gap between you and me like there's between you and Mark. He's kind of the youngster, but it, it, it works for you too. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's there's not the gap between Mike as there is the gap between my ears. So there's <laughs> it's emptiness there, folks. It's complete emptiness. Anyway, so we Mike and I were sitting here trying to figure out what to talk about, and we sat and came to a conclusion. We don't know what the hell to talk about, but we did come up with a list of things to talk about. So we're going to push on through, and I'm going to start out with something that's near and dear to my heart, and I think to, to Mike's heart as well, is um, I've been considering, because I've seen a couple friends locally that have some rooted Nooks, uh, Nook being the e-reader that, that's Barnes & Noble's e-reader, um, and they've been rooting them. They're based on Android. And I've been given the thought to maybe rooting one of those, and because they look awful cool. As much as I love my iPad, those things look awesome, and I really think it'd be a lot of fun to root one. And I know Mark or Mark. See, God, I'm in a bad habit. I know Mike uh, is a is a is a user of uh, uh, Linux, and I just wanted to oh, look. He's holding up, listeners. What is that? That's an Android tablet. That's a, a Toshiba Android. So I kind of dabble with both. I have my iPod Touch. Someday I would really like to get an iPad, maybe an iPad Mini. But for right now, I've got my um, Android tablet here, and you know it, it's um, it's a nice thing. Uh, there's certain things I like that I wished. Uh, um, the iPads would do like um, be able to put widgets 
up on your screen so you could have little display tiles uh, so you don't have to like open up an app to get some, something you just flip to a different screen and uh, have your widgets there so I've got one here that'll uh, give me uh, tell me what the weather is right now uh, a couple uh, uh, widgets to get to uh, my Google Drive and uh, Evernote and Spring Pad and one with a little calendar telling me what's coming up here so hopefully I don't forget anything what's this Mother's Day thing tomorrow uh, anyway, you know, just to help remind me of things. So, um, and, you know, and that's nice just to be, have, uh, be able to have those widgets up there with information. So, I mean, I, I like uh, my touch and I would like to have an iPad, but I also, I want to play in both worlds. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Now, where did you get that? Or what's the specs on that Toshiba and how old is it? Uh, it is, I think, two years old. I got it on QVC, uh, one of those deals where I was able to put it on their flex pay plan and be able to. QVC or no HSN, I think it was. I got it on, uh, but you know, put it on payments. But it's uh, you know, it's not bad. It's a <sighs> shoot, and I can't remember the specs for sure. It's uh, you got a fairly decent processor to it. Um, it's um, um, what one gig of one gig of uh, memory, I think, thirty-two gigs of. Um, uh, storage space. Then you can put an SD card into it too. So then you can um, have additional storage. That's something else I wish the iPad had too. Was that so you could plug in additional storage or be able to swap things in and out. So you're not restricted to just 16, 32, or 64 bits uh, or mega gigabits of uh, storage, whichever. Um, so you know, th there's plus and minuses to both, but um, you know, this one here is a couple years old. It's running um, ice cream sandwich, and I have toyed with the idea of jailbreaking it because there's not a uh, version yet with Jelly Bean for this. So I had thought about jailbreaking it, taking it up to Jelly Bean, but um, but I, I mean, I do like it. it on, the, on the downside. Because it does do multitasking, um, it gets a little sluggish sometimes. I kind of have to go through and shut off some uh, uh, processes sometimes because it just seems like it gets a little sluggish and stuff. I have used uh, uh, iPads a few times, and it's nice and fluid. And you can sit there and things move nice and everything. But uh, this one here sometimes is kind of like you got to, hello, wake up, you know, and get its attention before you can kind of do things with it. So um, I would say um, the, the Android tablets maybe aren't the most responsive, but they are, are versatile and do a lot of different things with them. Yeah, that's one of the things that I saw uh, my friend that has one. He has the interface set up on it that it looks like a giant 3D wheel that you go around through all the apps to get to. Yeah, I don't, that, I don't know what interface it is. Yeah, that's nice. And, and with Android, too, yeah, you can put different um, um, oh, uh, application launchers on it or different desktops, if you will. So if you... Uh, because uh, like with Apple, all you get is their uh, kind of bookshelf type uh, array of, uh, of apps. But this one here, you can put uh, you can put drawers on there. Well, I guess you can do that with uh, iPad too. But you can have different um, have things laid out in different directions. So I got five screens on one. I can have a bunch of widgets on another. One, I can have a bunch of drawers uh, with stuff in it. You can put files on the desktop. Um, I've got a custom keyboard on there so that. You don't have to use the Apple's keyboard. This one, um, I forget which one it is I have. 
but uh, you start typing, it'll do the predictive typing up there. It'll give you a list of different words across the top. And since my spelling is marginal anyway, I can start <laughs> typing as long as I don't quite know what the word is. Uh, okay, yeah, it's that one there. You just hit one. Um, you have uh, like some function keys. So I've got some of them um, so that I can just hit one of these keys and put in my uh, – um, email address, uh, some of that stuff. So it's kind of like think kind of text expander like things um, that you could. Uh, so you don't have to type out everything. So you got different keyboards you can put on there. Um, yeah, it, like I said, it's a matter of trade-offs. Android is really customizable, but like I say, with that comes the possibility that things might get a little wonky, uh, a little sluggish. Apple is nice and smooth, but you kind of have to play in their sandbox. Um, so, it, 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 you know, and the easiest way for me to solve this is just get a little of both. Well, that, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I've been tra- the the restriction on storage has been one of the things that's always bothered me. Um, my first iPad, and I still use it all the time, we use it as an entertainment system when we're traveling. I hook it on the back seat of the, the van, and the kids can watch movies, you know, when we're traveling down the road. I did a review of the case that I used to do that with for uh, our friend Allison Sheridan, oh, I don't know, two or three years ago on the podcast. Um, and I still use it for a lot. I still uh, use... Uh, uh, it to to read magazines and books, digital magazines and books. Some, although I will have to say that after holding it and holding my daughter has a uh, iPad Mini. Oh my God, I would much prefer to read on that Mini than uh, the iPad Mini. Excuse me. Right. Yeah, because this thing's heavy. Yeah. So is this Toshiba? I mean, and it's it's got a uh, now one thing it nice about it is i guess it's got a plastic case on the back but it's it's textured so it's you know it doesn't feel like it's going to slip out of your hands you can grab a hold of it and you can pop the case off so you could uh, replace the battery if you want to but it is you know it's it's a little heavy and um when you're sitting there reading for a while yeah it would be nice to have a like i really want to get my head hands on a an ipad mini uh with a wi-fi connection because that's the one thing i don't have is a, a mobile deck a connection. I got a, a simple cell phone, but I would like to have something so I can get my data anywhere. And I was thinking either iPhone or iPad Mini. It's just that the iPad is bigger, and I think I could do more on it. Um, be able to, you know, be able to read a, an article on the web, and if I want to save uh, uh, some stuff for a, a podcast or something, I could highlight stuff, send it to Evernote. I mean, you can do that on the phone too, but it's it's a smaller interface. It's a little harder to do things with. And I just think. Um, the iPad Mini is that the right uh, space between iPhone and a full-sized iPad um, because you can carry it around. It won't be as big as a regular-sized iPad, so you can carry it around. I could maybe stick it in a, a coat pocket or be able to carry it around without it being too big. So I think that's just the right size, and um, yeah, that's what I'm looking for right now. All I got to do is find that that hidden treasure somewhere and come up with money for all this. Well, yeah. But you know the thing I've been dealing with is I've got, I've got an original gen iPad and it's listeners of the show know. And then recently I was able to get a fourth gen iPad. But now the fourth gen iPad, while I do have cellular data on it, I only have 16 gigs of storage. So I kind of manage it 
quite differently than I manage the other one. I, I'm more judicious, I should say, about what I put on it. And I also use that one primarily for work, so I try not to put anything on there that's going to really distract me too much because I don't want to be sitting in a meeting and, and oh, look, there's look, so-and-so's just out-achieved me on Temple Run or something like that. I need to quick jump into Temple Run and, you know, and go over there and do something like that. So I, I do tend to make that one much more... Uh, work and productivity focused because um, uh, I suffer from the the squirrel you know that syndrome and it's it's rough on a, on a guy like me so uh, I do that but you know one of the biggest things I'll have to say about the iPads and I said it before until I put my first gen beside the fourth gen the retina screen doesn't make any difference to me yeah, it's something about the these eyes getting older and all that kind of stuff. That, uh, uh, yeah, I, I that's why I was sitting there thinking, boy, one of those new the uh, the new iPads or whatever Apple's name is for it, the full sized ones with the Retina display and the faster processor. Yeah, that would be nice, but like I say, I don't know if I would notice the difference unless I were to start playing games or something. I don't know if I'd notice the difference between the mini and the full size. And um, I mean, I still watch uh, uh, shows and stuff and movies in uh, standard def um, just because the ones I got stored on my computer, it, they're smaller files, so I can squeeze more on there. And as long as I, I'm not too terribly picky, so I don't know that I would really get <sighs> – get too excited or notice the difference too much between a the, the mini and the full size, the retina display and non-retina display. Uh, well, looking at the... Now, my daughter's mini's not retina, of course, because none of the minis are. And you put it next to the retina display I have, I don't see a drastic amount of difference. Where I do see the difference, there's two major places, is the weight. It's significantly, big, uh, significantly different. And then the other thing that I see is the um, uh, uh, the speed because she has the the original iPad is ba- or the iPad Mini is basically the same as the second generation iPad, so it has an A5 I think if I'm correct processor in it, where the the fourth gen that I have has an A A6X I think it A6, is A6A isn't it? I don't know. It's it's a much faster yeah. pro. You really notice the difference in the speed. Oh, you um, do? Yeah, now that's the one thing. Again, I would be happy to have an iPad mini, but that speed difference, uh, because the speed difference between my first gen and, and my daughter's mini is is noticeable. It's not huge, but it's noticeable. But then you jump and go from her mini to the fourth gen I have, and oh my gosh, can you see the speed difference? So... Again, I would pay for the speed difference. Screw the retina display. You know, I, I I don't need that. And the thing to that, too, is, as I think about it, too, I've been really tempted a couple times to uh, jailbreak my original Gen iPad. You know, now that I've got a fourth Gen and I don't have to rely on it as heavily, it's made me think really hard about jailbreaking it. But I haven't quite crossed over yet. I've never run even um, and I mean all I have is my touch but I've never come to a reason yet that I would want a jailbreak if there's never been anything that I really needed I mean outside of just me geeking around um and and putting it on there like I geeked around putting Linux on all kinds of things and different versions of Linux and all that kind of stuff uh outside of the geek factor I really haven't come up with a a good reason to jailbreak my my touch yet 
Oh, the, I thought about jailbreaking. I got two first-generation, yeah, first-generation iPod Touches. And I've thought about jailbreaking them only for the reason that there's a, a break that you can do on them that lets you um, uh, put newer versions of iOS on them because they're running, like, I don't know, three-something, maybe four. I can't remember anymore now. So it'd be nice to have to be able to put a newer version. Not that I have anything on them or they do anything that they're secure data on. Well, I take that back. There was one time I thought about jailbreaking a, a, a touch, my daughter's touch. I don't know which uh, gen it is. It must be two or three. Uh, it's one of the older versions. And uh, she had a game on there called Tiny Tower. And um, she she had been she'd played this game and leveled it up quite a bit. Well, then somebody took her iPad or her her touch and erased the stuff on it, so she had to reinstall everything. Well, the game moved on because that the best that could run was four point three or whatever it was um, iOS. Well, the game had uh, in that time had uh, gone to the point where it needed like uh, iOS five or later to play. Well, so now we when we put it back on there, it says it won't run. So I had thought about maybe if a person was to jailbreak it and put a newer version of iOS on there so she could get that game back on there and play. But, you know, that was about the only uh, reason I'd come up with it. Yeah, and that's like I said, I just dug out one of these. uh, Oh, crap, I'm pushing the wrong end of it. Uh, Dug out one of these touches here to see what version it is. Um, It'll take a little while for it to boot up. But, yeah, I've, I've thought about doing it. You know, as far as doing things like that, too... I've got this map the new teeth again. I have a MacBook Air sitting here, which I talked about a while back, where I've got it booting Lion, uh, Windows 7, and Zubuntu. I've got all three OSs running on this thing, which is really cool. I love it. Um, but Lion's the last OS that that one will run. And I'm getting worried now as we get ever closer to uh, yeah. Hello Kitty... Take- the Hello yeah. Kitty version of version. of OS ten, whatever it's going to be called, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of like TikTok, TikTok. We're waiting for the WWDC in a what a month or so or whenever it is. I know they announced it. It's June something. Yeah, I should know the dates, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, so, you know, um, so yeah, we're expecting something. And will they do like they have been? And will uh, Lion become the new outdated uh, version? Uh, and then uh, everyone who can't go up to Mountain Lion is kind of like SOL. Yeah, I, I would venture to say they they will. I really think um, they'll uh, snow uh, snow set. God darn, I am having trouble. Sunset the uh, the you know Lion and won't be uh, issuing any more updates for it uh, at that point, which will mean I'll have to do something. But I did hear the other day on, I think it's Back to Work, I think that's what it was, Back to Work podcast, that there's a hack out there, I think it's probably a firmware or something, I haven't looked into it a great deal, that lets you force Mountain Lion on older hardware. I I heard somebody mention something about being able to get it up to um, that older hardware to use that, and I didn't hear what it was. Oh man, a firmware hack—that kind of scares me. You do it wrong, and you have a brick. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Again, I don't know for sure if it was. Oh, right. I, well, yeah, it was Merlin Man on Back to Work because he was complaining about his Mac Pro runs fine, other than he can't run Mountain Lion on it. And uh, if it wouldn't, if it's not a firmware hack, if it's just some sort of software 
hijinks. Heck, yeah. I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll do a super-duper clone of this, put it off to the side, and have that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I've, um, I think I've mentioned here before that I do Hackintoshes once in a while. And um, I haven't built, well, uh, I get the parts, my son puts them together, and then I do the installation part. I haven't uh, got a new one for a while, but I did try to put um, Mountain Lion on this one that I have. And I don't think, uh, it didn't want to recognize it. It didn't seem to want to boot up or anything. So I, I scrapped it, went back to the Snow Leopard on it. But that's kind of my backup machine if my, because um, now I've got Windows on it. So I'm, I'm dual booting that one, Windows and um, Snow Leopard. But that's kind of my game playing machine. And I do a few other things on my Windows machine. Um, so that one I haven't gotten you know too worried about. But um, I've been kind of tempted once in a while to get some new hardware and do a, a newer version of um, like a mountain lion Macintosh. But really, I got my MacBook Pro here. That does everything that you know that I want. And um, just really haven't. And then the, the whole that silly money thing again. Um, really, yeah, just man. haven't decided to you know do one. Well, yeah, and the other thing, too, is if I force it onto there and it works okay, then that means the Mac Mini that I have uh, over here that the kids are using, I could, uh, which I don't know if it technically will support Mountain Lion or not, I could be tempted to force Mountain Lion onto it then, too, which would keep them alive that much longer. I mean, because that Mac Mini runs really good. The only time it ever struggles, and it's a 2007 Mac Mini, the only time it ever struggles is uh, with some of the really high-end games that uh, are not, I won't say they're high-end games, but some of the more graphic-intensive games um, that I play or that my kids play on there. The, mainly it's uh, one that I got out of the App Store called Sky Gamblers. I think that's right. Yeah, Sky Gamblers. It's a World War II flight, uh, flight simulator. You know, I think it's all of five bucks. And it does occasionally... The graphics on it. I think it's mainly the graphics, uh, the GPU, not the CPU. That's that's uh, borking on it a little bit, having trouble. It'll get a little. The plane will kind of like pause in midair for a second before it continues on. <laughs> pause in mid barrel roll or something like that. So, uh, gravity defying. It it is it is. Well, you know, talking about games, you and I are of the vintage that predate a lot of electronic games. I mean, when you and I were growing up, the big electronic games were first the ones that showed up in the bars as big tabletop games, and then uh, probably the, like, Nintendo, or not Nintendo, the Atari 2600 Pong actually is probably right about the time for both of us. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I had, was... a, I, I had a friend that um, uh, had Pong. We went over there, and it was just cool. I mean, by today's standards, it was, you know, basically three uh, blocks, two elongated and one kind of square, and then you would just sit there and move it back and forth, and you know, and that was cool. And the first uh, you know, electronic games that I had was from my old uh, t- uh, Radio Shack at that time, color computer, and I had the cartridges that would go in there, and there was Breakout. That one was kind of cool. You had to knock all the bricks out as it bounced back and forth and not miss the, the, the ball, which was square, when it came back at you. Uh, what other games I remember playing on there? A later version of the color computer had Arknoid on it, which was... Um, that sounds familiar. Um, it's the one that, that your cannon scrolled across the bottom. Or no, it had a paddle. 
so it was kind of pong like, kind of breakout like. Uh, but it, your paddle went along the bottom. You had the ball that bounced up and down. You had to make sure you get got the paddle back underneath there to make the ball go back up. But then when it hit certain bricks, it would release certain bonuses like. Maybe you would get two balls and you would have to really move your paddle back and forth. Or maybe there would be a – it would speed it up or or slow it down. There were certain bonuses you got for hitting certain blocks. And then you uh, – as you eliminated each uh, – all the blocks, you moved up to the next level. Uh, I, I have seen it. I don't think I've ever – I might have played it, but I just don't remember playing it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we were kind of in the low-tech era of games. But what I was – what I was thinking about is because of that, you and I probably played a lot more board games or tabletop games uh, when we were younger. Or at least I did. Did you? Oh, yeah. I think you know, one of the favorites that I like to play, um, and it's, it's a, somebody took it, I never got it back. It was a stock market game. Uh, which really wasn't, you know, terribly complicated. You, now I'm trying to remember it, but I mean, you went around the board, you uh, had to buy and sell stocks, and then every once in a while they would split, uh, and then they, uh, so you could double your stocks or whatever, and uh, you just, uh, that's, you know, 30 years ago now, I think since I last played it, Um, but you just try to whoever amassed the most fortune. Um, and they say you went around the board and there's different things on there, sort of monopoly style things like stock splits. I don't think they had insider trading then because that wasn't a thing back then. But, um, you know, you got fined or something maybe. But you, you just had to build up your fortune. Yeah, I, I remember hearing about that game. That might even still be around. I think you might still be able to buy that one. Probably so, but we've kind of gotten to the point where we just don't play board games like we used to. I mean, we got all our electronic gadgets here now. But yeah, no, I have uh, recently I rediscovered not technically a board game, but a tabletop I'll call it game, uh, and it's really more of a card game or is a card game I should say more of uh, called Munchkin. It was recommended to me by a friend. It's an interesting card game that makes fun. It takes into account like Dungeons and Dragons and some of these newer card games like Magic the Gathering and stuff like that that have become that were popular a few years ago. But it takes into account Dungeons and Dragons. But the funny thing is, when you go to play it, and it's appropriate for me to play with my two my ten year old kids and and even my thirteen year old or she'd play. But they, um, you know, like you cast a spell. Well, the spell is a duck sitting on your head, or the you're cursed with a duck on your head, or a, you know, a, 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 all kinds of weird things. If you look up the game, it's it's called Munchkin, M-U-N-C-H-K-I-N. Uh, it was a relatively cheap little game. It was twenty bucks, and it's low. And there's all kinds of expansion packs to it, and stuff like that. And you become a character like you're a Oh, crap, I can't remember now. It's been a month. We're still learning. And the rules of the game are basically, well, if you, the rules really don't make sense here, what do you think will work? And do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's dangerous. When you start making up your own rules, that can get a little, that can get a little bad. Well, it, you know, everybody kind of agrees that that's what they'll do. Okay. You know, it's it's not that you know it's not like you have violence there, but it, you know, you, you you cast these weird spells. You have these. These these the the these weird types of armor that you wear, you know, kitty fur boots or something like that, you know, 
all this kind of strange thing and um it's just it but it's 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 tongue in cheek but it's fun and it's it's a weird type of game in that it'll play sometimes it plays really quickly i mean we've played an entire game in about 15 minutes and then other times we've gone through the deck of cards like three times to to build up enough earnings and, and points and stuff to win so it's just you know it's a back and forth type of game and you, you know, you can do stuff and the spell ricochets off this guy next to you and hits the other person and, you know, all this wild-ass stuff. It's just, it's hilarious. It's very tongue-in-cheek. Well, I, I looked it up. This is the one that says, uh, go down in the dungeon, kill everything you meet, uh, backstab your friends and steal their stuff, grab the treasure and run. Yes, that's it. Okay. <laughs> Um, let's see. Munchkin is the mega hit card game about dungeon adventure with none of the stupid role playing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, it's perfect. There's well, even yeah. There's even an iPhone or iOS app to help you play the game and keep track of things for you if you want. <laughs> oh, okay. That was always the worst thing about playing uh, some of these board games, the scorekeeping. And yeah. um, I always like the ones, especially. I guess that's why I like. The electronic ones with a banker in there to make sure everybody was uh, above board on things. Sometimes you wondered about the banker, but um, <laughs> not, I'm looking. They got expansion packs for that. Um, yeah. I'm, uh, some of the names here they have one called Unnatural Axe. That's A X E. Yeah. Uh, the Need for Steed. Yeah. Uh, There's a uh, Christmas one. Uh, half. Half horse will travel. Yeah. That's half H L F. Um. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, deranged. Yeah. Uh, it's, okay. Yeah. The, it's very tongue in cheek and hilarious. It's the type of game that suits yours and my sense of humor. You know. Oh, the, God help us all. <laughs> and another another mutual friend of ours uh, is very aware of the game. Uh, and say. Okay. She's uh, because she, I took a picture of it and, and tweeted it out when I got the game uh, several months ago, and she she recognized it right away, and she was like, "Oh, I know that game." You know, I I don't think there's anything Kershaw doesn't know is kind of the uh, <laughs> the the conclusion. I I love her to death. She's the sweetest woman in the world. But if if she doesn't know it, I'm beginning to think that it probably doesn't or never will exist. Well, she's kind of like the Uber geek. Uh, the ones to which we all bow and uh, you know in in supplication and and you know and praise. So um, yeah, yeah. And if, if, if listeners want to go over and check out some of the stuff she does, go over to uh, freerangecoder.com dot com and you can see the type of stuff that uh, Kirshen does. She's she's uh, and I'll uh, we'll remember to stick that in the. I'll try to remember to put that in the show notes. Or since Mark is actually going to edit the show in his uh, sickness induced by his man Keeney, and let's hope he puts on more clothes before he edits because we don't need the picture of him with his iPad in his lap and in the mankini. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, hey. Okay. Bad, bad images. Bad images. Okay. You need a melon baller to scoop that one out, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the board games that we used to play have become quite advanced. Have you seen that new version of Monopoly where they don't play money anymore? You have a credit card that you're swiping to pay for everything? <laughs> What the hell is this teaching kids? Well, I mean, look at what we do now. I mean, um, I opened up a different checking account, well, probably like a couple years ago. And um, let's see, I've got my checkbook here, and I am on check number 
1035 after two years because everything else is all electronic payment, debit card. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of the way that we're moving. I don't know if this is something we want to encourage our kids to do, uh, you know, right off the bat, to just be able to swipe and get. I mean, at least if you're writing out the check, you kind of are thinking about it a little bit as you, boy, that's a lot of numbers. You know, when you start to see the figure, maybe it makes you think. Because there's been times that I just, there was things we needed to be gone in there. I swiped. I don't know how much I spent. I was just like, I need it. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah, it's, it, it amazes me the way they've updated the games. I know when I was a kid and we used to play uh, Monopoly, we, we got to the point, and you weren't supposed to play this, we'd have games of Monopoly that we'd get so balanced that would go on for like a week at a time. <laughs> During the summer, you know, when we were on summer break, we'd set up the table at somebody's house and, and play. And it got to the point that we all invested and bought extra packs of money for the game. And then it would we would run out of the money, or it would get to be so confusing. This is at the time when handheld or pocket calculators were just starting to take on. So we all had our pocket calculators, and we'd keep track of our bank account. Although I still swear that that one boy I used to play with, and Bobby Allison, if you're listening, I'm accusing you, not the race car driver. I still think you cheated sometimes at that damn game, even though I couldn't prove it. I swear to God, I think you did somehow. Anyway, not that I'm bitter. Anyway, <laughs> you know, I still love to play board games. My kids still play board games. They still find it quite amusing to get out of board game. They like to sit around and play. Well, we uh, amassed a few back when I was in, uh, oh, probably grade school or well, junior high, high school, somewhere in that range. Uh, we bought a few because um, – the rest of the family would come home for Christmas and we would sit down and we would uh, play a board game to amuse ourselves because, um, you know, I think I've mentioned it here before. We lived out in the country. We had like uh, three radio or three TV stations, four if the wind was from the right direction. Uh, there wasn't a lot to do. And sometimes we just ran out of things to talk about. So, we, yeah, we would sit down. We'd play games. And um, um, I know we had lots, lots of fun playing Clue. Uh, you know, the detective game. Um, uh, Colonel Mustard did it in the library with, uh, you know, the candlestick or something like that. And, and then, of course, we'd always make the awful jokes about uh, Colonel uh, Mustard did it in the library with Miss Plum. But, you know, that was a whole different game. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we'd go a little sideways on that stuff once in a while. But we, we played that one a lot. Um, I don't think we played Monopoly very much. I know we played Stock Market a lot. Um, I'm trying to remember what other games we had. I think we played Life Sum. Oh, don't um, play and don't play. Listeners, do not buy a version of Life they now sell in the stores. It sucks. We the kids got it for Christmas a couple of years ago. They've changed all the rules and it's stupid. And it doesn't make any. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, we used to play Life a lot, but oh, this new version's god freaking awful. Huh? Because, uh, like I said, we played that one a lot, and you know, it's it, uh, it's been a long time since we played a lot of these. I've kind of forgotten some of the rules, but um, yeah, that one you had to get what get get a career and then uh, go along the board, and there'd be all these life events like you have a child, you had to buy a car, mortgage, something like that, and then you had to have the most money when you got to the end, or you could uh, or you could gamble it all and try to become a, the win, the mega winner or you could uh, go or you ended up at the poor house or yeah like you put all now, the, now you want me want to make me dig out all those board games which we got buried back there and and just start looking at them um there was one that we played 
and I again I barely remember the rules, but it was um, I think Sherlock Holmes, where you had to travel around London and gather up clues and try to solve the game. It it was. I think a little complicated, but it, I think it was uh, kind of interesting that that was the worst thing about playing games was getting learning the rules and figuring out what's going on. And you'd keep the book there handy beside you, and there'd be okay. Wait a minute, let's look up. Look, look. Are you sure that's the way it's done? Look, look it up in the rule book there. Um, so that was sometimes the worst part about uh, uh, playing board games was all the rules. Well, you know the one uh, one of the board games too that Mike kids have started like is uh, risk did you ever play risk uh a little bit i don't think i ever owned the board game but i did play it a few times i think maybe i played the computer version of it so i'm familiar with it but yeah that one wasn't too bad where you had to uh conquer okay. your territories and, and then the world and everything take over the world yeah a little strategy involved there a little planning yeah those are the kind of games i like to play on the computer now it's the strategy games like civilization and uh, and some of those games but yeah risk was probably the i think one of the original strategy games that i played yeah i but you know funny as many games as i like to play i was never a big chess or checkers fan um never played chess when I was a kid, uh, would play checkers with my dad, and he would beat me. So I got to the point where I kind of hated checkers. Um, you know, when you get beat all the time, it kind of you know sucks the fun out of it. But yeah. um, I, I would try to play that one. Um, you know, you ever played a- Chinese checkers? Oh yeah, yeah um, no, that I liked. I swear to God, my mother cheated that game somehow, though I'm not sure how. Uh, Chinese checkers and on. Um, Darn it! Now I'm having a, a one of those flashbacks. Uh, wasn't there another game with marbles that was similar to Chinese checkers? Mm. Oh, Parcheesi. Was that marbles or was that cards? Parcheesi. I don't think that was marbles. I think. Oh, there is some other games that you play with marbles, but unfortunately, our marbles have fallen out of our heads. So I don't. Yeah, really I think maybe they got used in a game somewhere. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But I, there was some other one that you moved around. Oh God, I know. I'm, that's okay. Terrible. Yeah, Parcheesi is a board game. It wasn't marbles, but it was uh, a board. Oh, I couldn't verbally describe it here exactly. But you had like four quadrants. Every person had a uh, a square. Well, it was a circle in the corner of that quadrant. They had to get to, and they had to move around the board. Um, Okay, why don't I just read the description here? Um, an American ad- adaptation of the Indian cross and circle game. Um, let's see here. Play uh, played uh, using different colored costume members. Well, it it's a, uh, the royal game of India. Royalty played using colored costume members of their harems as pieces on large outdoor boards. Such a court is uh, uh, I'm trying to skip all that nonsense. Oh, here we go. Uh, is played with one or two dice, and the goal of the game is to move one piece uh, one's piece home to the center space. Uh, the most popular Parcheesi boards uh, have 68 spaces around the edge, 12 of which are uh, dark and safe spaces where the piece cannot be captured. Um, each player selects four pieces of the same color uh, and put them in their nest or starting area. Um, each player rolls a die. The highest goes first. Subsequent play continues to the left. 
um, throw uh, each player throws one or both dice and uses the value to move their pieces around the board. Um, so basically, I think you just have to move around the board, and if you're the first one to get to the center, um, you win. Uh, you can be captured. Um, yeah, I, re- I remember it now. I, I, I'll have to remember. I'll have to put a link to that in the show notes and let the users see that. Because or users, God, listeners see that. Um, but you know, another game that I used to love to play because you were talking about stock market with money. You made me think of. I love to play the money games. Uh, being poor as dirt, it was nice to pretend you had money for a while. Um, I had one call, and I think I still have this game. It was a used car game where you you had this round thing and you had all these cars. But now the car could be worth more money to you than it was to another player. And I, I can't remember can't remember the dealer dealer something it was called. Dealer Lot or something. I, I, I still got the game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was really fun to play because just because the car was fancy and new didn't necessarily mean... I think it was Dealer's Choice? I don't remember. That's going to bug me. I'm going to have to look it up and put it in the show notes, too. Um, you know, just because it was a fancy new, like, Corvette, and again, I'm talking 1972 or 73 here, people, um, it didn't mean that because in your blue book it might be worth $6,000, it might be found on road dead or something like that for the uh, for somebody else in the... Uh, in the uh, uh, in the game so it was a lot of fun and another one that was really fun because it had a mechanical device that rolled the dice for you was a game i had called the inventors and it was pretty cool you what you did is you had these inventions and they were based you had these cards that were described the invention that you bought and then um they were based on real inventions like the eye protector for chickens the automatic hat tipper um God, I can't remember some of the other stuff. But the real trick to this game was in, you amassed money. I mean, it was the same thing. Whoever had the most money when you reached the end of the game won. Um, but the real thing was this, it sat in the center of the board. And it was this thing that was a machine. It had a little base with a little tub. And you dropped two dice on the top of it. And you pushed down on like a plunger thing. And then the dice went down through the machine, hit a bell, and made the bell ring. And it came out. And that's how that was your roll to move around the board. So I mean, it had that interactive, you know, mechanical dinging and bells. This was before we had electricity, so there weren't any lights, people. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And then, it, and then it also held the patent clips that you put on your inventions and told you how much money you could get paid for your invention and all this sort of thing. So it was a lot of fun. And I swore I still had that game, and I have torn this house apart trying to find it, and I cannot find it. Because I know my kids would love playing that one. Just the sound of the rolling the dice. They go, ding, 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 as the dice rolled and came out the bottom. It was really a cool game. Um, yeah, because there was some of those games um, had the little pop thing for rolling dice. It was a little dome. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, was Trouble. Trouble. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so you just push down on it, and it would kind of pop because the, the dice were in this little dome inside there, and then you just push down on it, and it would cause them to pop up, and that would roll your dice for you. Yeah, uh, if, if, if listeners really want to look up a lot of these old board games, I would direct them to go to a site called BoardGameGeek.com or Geeks.com. I can't remember whether it's plural or not. Um, BoardGameGeek.com, because that's yeah. where I looked up your uh, dealer's choice uh, car game. Yeah. 
Okay, got the round thing where you put the stuff in it and all that. You can probably see pictures of it there. Um, you know, and once I see the pictures, that looks vaguely familiar. You know, a lot of these I don't know that I played. I may have spent a lot of time in the um, um, stores looking at these things and thinking about playing them. But, um, yeah, that looks vaguely familiar. Um, yeah, there's a... Yeah, there's a round thing. I don't know what to, you got. Your cars tucked in there. You got money tucked in there. Yeah, that's exactly that's it. You got it. Yeah, the, the organizer uh, organizer is what they call it, I guess. But um, okay. Yeah. Like I, said, I I think I spent a lot of time because uh, around here I'd probably go to Clark, which is our when we lived on the farm. That was our close town. Probably go into the hardware store where they sold all this stuff because uh, we you know we really didn't have a back then um didn't really have a, a department store or anything like that so in town here uh we had like two hardware stores so you could go in there and they'd have a selection of stuff that you could look at um and they had some board games into there so i think i probably remembered looking at a lot of these but just decided not to get them yeah no they were they were a lot of fun i and of course i as i got older i got more into the strategy games like you're talking about and i used to be heavily into uh uh, Avalon Hill. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're, they made a lot of uh, board war simulation board games. Um, they made War at Sea, which was World War II in the Atlantic Ocean. Then they had Victory in the Pacific, which was a more complicated game, which was World War II in the Pacific Ocean. They had Panzer Blitz, Panzer and Tank Commander, I can't remember now. They had a bunch of those uh, that were World War II battle simulation games. They were a lot of fun. You had the little die-cut pieces. They were uh, cardboard pieces. And then I moved into playing the uh, Civil War games, because I'm a big Civil War per I love to study the Civil War. And I've played the Battle of Gettysburg. And um, what else did I have? Gettysburg, Chancellorsville... I can't remember something. And you have all these little pieces, and you get all these little cardboard things stacked up with your hit points, the organization, and and all this. <laughs> it gets kind of complicated. Was that played on a hexagon board? Yeah. Okay. Um, again, the, I, I, that stuff seems vaguely familiar. I don't think I ever played them, but I do think I remember seeing them and thinking about playing. Because the thing I was here was I didn't have a lot of people to play those kind of games with. So that was kind of the problem with board games for me because – you know, I, I think I've said before, the rest of my family is so much older than me that uh, I only saw them when they would come home on weekends. So it wasn't like we were able to, or not weekends, but the holidays or whatever. So it wasn't like I had a lot of people to sit down and play uh, games with. So it was more of a special event when we did play games, Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever. Um, that's when we'd usually break them out. Yeah. Uh, you you had that disadvantage. The other, I mean, the advantage I the, where I was disadvantaged. I grew up in a rural, small rural town, so I had neighbors around. I mean, we didn't have all the stuff, you know, a lot of stuff. So I mean, there was always a neighbor kid around. But my family, my brother and sister, are also much older than I am. Um, so it's you know, it's not unusual. I had that similar situation, but I did have you know neighbors that I could get. And then if the kids didn't know the game, you know, the first time or two, I could beat them. You know, beat their pants off until they learned the strategy of the game. There was one of them uh, that a friend of mine introduced me to that he and his brother played. Called it was it was Gettysburg. It was called Terrible Swift Sword was the name of the game. I remember, and I wanted to buy it so bad I couldn't afford it. 
But this board game, Mike, was like four feet by six feet was the board. It took up like a whole room to lay out and move around. It was very detailed and, you know, down to like almost the squad level or I can't think, I should know, but I can't think of the lowest level of organization of troops, you know, that you could get to where you're down to like telling six guys to go do something almost, you know, it was, it was that level and it was just tremendous to watch them play this game. Oh yeah, it does. It sounds, you know, kind of like what I do now with the civilization games. And if I remember right, I think they had a civilization board game once. I think you're uh, right. I saw it and I just never, I just, after playing the, you know, the computer version, I just didn't, um, you know, want to sit down and try to play the board game version. And again, the thing is lining up people to play it with. That was the other disadvantage to it. But um, I do remember that. And, uh, you know, like I say, we used to play, a, you know, a fair amount of uh, board games. And, you know, I, I think when we're done with this podcast, I'm going to have to go back in the corner where they're at and just see which <laughs> ones we got there because I know we got a few of them. Yeah, the uh, we started and the kids have been acquiring some new ones, and some of them are really fun. Um, but I, I do I do go back to some of the classics that I grew up with, like Monopoly. We played Clue, uh, like you were talking about. Um, and there's an interesting movie if people ever want to watch it, the movie Clue. That's hilarious. Uh, Tim Curry and I can't remember all the other people that are in that movie. It's a funny movie to watch, though. Oh, I was thinking of. Um... Oh shoot! A different movie. Uh, was it the, the Detectives with Don Knotts? And that—that that has nothing to do with the movie Clue. But when you oh, start talking private, about Detective and Private Eyes, Don Private Knott, Eyes. There you go. Don Knotts and Tim Conway. Okay. Yeah. Now we are showing our our, our old uh, uh, oldness here by uh, trotting out those movies. But well, you know what? That that uh, there's a classic movie or classic scene in that movie. You'll probably remember. And I have a copy of that movie, by the way. Um, where they were going down the dark, spooky hallway, and they had the candle, and it was real spooky. And all of a sudden, Tim Conway goes, ah, ah, screams, and the lights go out. And Don Knotts goes, what's what's wrong? Hot wax, hot wax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. Um, <laughs> oh, you'll have to watch. You'll have to watch it. Uh, find a copy of it for yourself. Uh, okay, uh, I thought we had. I'll have to go poking around. I thought we had a copy somewhere, maybe. Yeah, okay. the kids absolutely adore that movie. They think it's so funny with the way they do that, and uh, the guy that gets his tongue cut out. What are you standing in? You stand there, hold that. <laughs> hold that. <laughs> I think I remember us going when I was in high school. I think I remember us going to see that in the movie theater. Yeah, um, that was like going to see um, what was it? Young Frankenstein. See, that one I never saw in the movie theater, but I, ha- I have seen that one, and yeah. I want to go revisit that sometime, too. Yeah, dang, what, ni- what a nice knockers. Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or uh, um, walk this way, and so everybody walks this way. And, yeah. Uh, uh, Follow me. Frau Brucher. <laughs> you remember that, and the horses would go nuts? Every time oh. they every time they said Cloris Leachman's character's name Frau Brucher. <laughs> yeah, I I've got to go. You know, there's a lot of the stuff I'm going to have to go revisit. I've started rereading some of the books that I read oh, way back when. Um, I started rereading Dragon Riders of Pern, um, which was a book I uh, a fantasy book. <sighs> was I in high school or just out? Of, 
I think maybe I was in high school yet, so that would be 30 years ago, uh, because I heard that the Sword and Laser podcast was going to do that book, and it kind of jarred my memory. And, and even on our, our Sci-Fi Tech Talk, we had kind of talked about doing that, because um, I think one of the episodes we're going to do here at some point is, what's science fiction versus fantasy? Because like I say, we call ourselves Sci-Fi Tech Talk. Well, there's some fantasy stuff we'd like to do that kind of sits there on the edge of um, things. I can't remember which ones. Um, well, Dragon Riders of Pern might be on kind of on that edge there. I mean, it is fantasy, but there was tech involved because they had tech up to a certain point um, in their civilization, but they abandoned that. And uh, but then they're in this the system. Because these were Earth people that settled on this planet, and they kind of lost contact with Earth. But uh, there was this rogue um, uh, planet or sun, I can't remember which one it was, in the solar system that when they got near the planet, the gravitation or gravitational force of the planet would pull these threads from the red stars, they called, over to the planets. And when these threads made contact with organic material, it would kill them and absorb them. And, uh, it was kind of a parasitic type thing. Uh, so they developed these dragons and they had these dragon riders which would fly through the sky and burn the threads before they hit the ground wow uh, that sounds familiar i don't know if i read that one or not it's Anne McCaffrey. I mean, uh, she wrote it in 1968, and she had a whole bunch of them. Um, the dragon riders actually it's dragon flight the dragon what we call the dragon riders of pern is actually three books I got it. I got the paperback version right here. Although I did download the one from uh, uh, the state lending library, the electronic book, so I could carry it on my tablet and read it. It's Dragonflight, Dragon Quest, and the White Dragon. Is the three books in the first three books, and then there was other books um, in there too. Um, but like I say, we were, and we may end up doing that one on our podcast someday because, like I say, it kind of straddles the line there. It is sort of fantasy because it deals with dragons and that kind of stuff, but there is a certain amount of tech. They had to feed the dragons. Um, you know, it depends on how you find te- define tech. It's not magic. Um, that's usually what they, uh, the criteria they use for fantasy is that if it's kind of magical, it's fantasy. If it's more scientific, uh, then it's sci-fi. And so, uh, you know, they bred these dragons and they feed them um, was it sulfur something uh, so that they can create fire. Uh, and, um, yeah, because they, they breathe fire. That's how they destroyed the threads uh, as they're falling out of the sky. So there's a certain amount of tech there. But like I say, wh- where does that um, – and I, like I said, I know that Julie and Jeff have uh, – we've talked about having an episode and just kind of hashing out. And we probably won't reach a definite answer. But what is sci-fi? What is fantasy? So I read a, I read a lot of sci-fi when I was younger too. As a matter of fact, I was an avid member of the uh, – uh, sci-fi book club i think is what it was called and i had a ton of books that i read um i'm trying to remember one of my favorites was i read isaac Asimov's trilogy foundation trilogy which is a yep. huge book um that was one of the first big books i ever tackled i remember reading a book called adam and it talked about what happened after not man as in the human's species but man as in the sex disappeared off the planet and and how the how it evolved with nothing but women and then at some point in the way distant future after men disappeared they started trying to think about trying to bring men back and it was called i think it was called alpha or alpha or adam i can't remember what it was called 
Um, but it was really interesting to see the way that they found this frozen guy and they, they, they were able to harvest DNA, you know, and all this stuff. And it was really weird. And there were, but I had a ton of sci-fi books I used to read. Um, you know, and I, I don't read as much sci-fi as I used to, which is kind of saddening in some ways. Well, and I, well, with our sci-fi tech talk podcast, I've, uh, it's kind of forced me. And sometimes we do movies because they're easier. You can watch them in an hour or a couple hours, let's say. Uh, whereas if you have to sit down and read a book, um, that takes a little longer. And I think at one point we want to start, we want to talk about the Andromeda strain. I've never read that one. I've, I've never read it, but I've seen the movie a few times. Yeah, and so, but, uh, and again, that's one of the books I'm waiting for to become available through the electronic library so I can read it. Uh, but, you know, when you have to read a book, it does take you a while. But, you know, I've been thinking about, um, and I, I have started to revisit. I started re- uh, rereading Dragon Riders. I started um, rereading the Foundation books uh, because uh, I've read all, um, well, three of them, and there, I think there's about six of them. Maybe seven, because there's like a prequel to Foundation too. So there's a bunch out there that I haven't read, and I wanted to reread some of those um, because for my uh, uh, Bard on the Plains podcast, I'm thinking about kind of changing my format a little bit. And instead of me telling stories about when I was growing up, I think I'm going to do uh, do I'm going to take. Uh, stories that I've read, either books, movies, uh, maybe uh, music, uh, art, whatever. Uh, you know, I'm kind of lose, using stories in a loose uh, term there. But I'm going to take these and talk about the ones that I've read and kind of how I relate to them. Um, you know, and uh, bring a, a personal insight to them. Like, I think the first one I'm going to do is like the Wizard of Oz movie and different things about that. There's a South Dakota connection to uh, um, the the Wizard of Oz, uh, and just and do some of that thing. So I uh, it, so I want to go and revisit some of them, even like Catch Twenty Two, which uh, I kind of blame for warping my sense of humor and maybe my view on life sometimes. But I want to go back <laughs> and do that one. But uh, well, you know what I read a lot of now is I read um, alternate history books. I've talked about that on the show before. I read a lot of Harry Turtledove. Um, and they're alternate histories. It'll take, you know, one event, um, the, the series I read, it was like 16 books, if I remember correctly, I can't remember, or something like that, or maybe 12, that it took, uh, took a twist so that the South won the Civil War, and then it showed how these two separate countries tried to coexist here in North America, and, you know, it, and, the way, and it goes all the way up through, like, World War II, timelines where it ends and the south kind of being somewhat similar to uh germany of world war ii that we know in our on our timeline as, as we know it but very interesting it, it'll just take one event twist it just a little bit and you know it shows that theory of the butterfly effect how some simple thing can really change ripple through history uh and then i'm reading another series right now although i haven't read anything for a year or two uh, where the, there is actually a continent called Atlantis, and it exists, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, it exists halfway between the European, uh, Europe and Great Britain and all, and what is North America. And basically, it's like part of North America, like the eastern East Coast and part of the interior states, uh, like a little further in than Virginia, like, like, 
Tennessee and some of that stuff has broken off and is that continent of Atlantis and how that's where things started. And it kind of parallels the way the United States started, but it goes differently. And it talks about the weird species of animals, you know, that being on this isolated continent, how they've, you know, come up different and they have all these weird, nothing terribly weird, but adaptations as nature is prone to do. Um, so I, that's what I read a lot, and I read techno thrillers. That's the other thing I read when I can find a good one, where it takes technology and it's some sort of murder mystery or something like that, intrigue wrapped into it. And uh, I read a lot of those things, and they 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 are they totally fascinate me. But I I, I haven't read as much sci-fi now, and I think about it, and you're making me very sad, Mike. <laughs> well, okay, uh, you've infected me with the board games, and I've infected you with the sci-fi, so I think maybe we're uh, at a draw for this podcast here as far as uh, time-sucking each other's uh, life here. Yeah, well, I think to, to make things a little bit brighter and lighter, um, I think we should talk about the funny things in life, the things that we enjoy, and, yeah. and, and you had a good idea along those lines. Yeah, I thought we could talk about something that you and Mark have never done before. And that would Com- be? Comedy. <laughs> yeah, Mark and I never talk about comedy. No, it never happens. No, but, um, you know, and I was kind of coming, uh, trying to come up with a topic here for today. And, you know, I, I came up with one and I said, you know, again, you know, the old fart thing tripping down memory lane. But I got thinking about some of the... Um, uh, comedy albums that I used to listen to, and one of my favorite was um, Ray Stevens. Um, he had a whole bunch of uh, different uh, uh, songs that he did. Now I'm, I had these things lined up here for this stuff, and I got all <laughs> confused. Um, but he had ones so. like um, he had one. Uh, I wouldn't say one, but he did one what you'd call a normal song, um, which was um, "Everything Is Beautiful." Uh, you know. Everything is beautiful in its own way. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Now, anybody's still listening yet? Um, Did you, do you like uh, Guitarzan? Yeah. Guitarzan. Well, um, I didn't get around to listening to that one. I do remember that. You know, I think the one I liked the best was the, the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. That one was pretty good. <laughs> That video is on YouTube, and that makes me laugh every time I watch it. That yeah. The Antioch Baptist Church. Yeah, and basically this kid brings a squirrel to church there and gets loose and starts running around, and it runs up this one guy's uh, pant leg, and suddenly he uh, jumps up and uh, says something like, uh, 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 Lord, save me, or something like that. And pretty soon it just, you know, everybody's kind of freaking out in there, and uh, he gets up to dress this one lady and starts running around, and she starts confessing things that would make a sailor blush. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and just to listen to, I mean, he's got that kind of, that southern twang, that kind of comedy uh, pacing to it, uh, and just kind of the kind of the wordplay, like you say, the uh, um, uh, oh, shoot, I wish I could quote the line there, but you know something about the uh, the Antioch, uh, the revival of the Antioch by uh, Baptist this Church. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I know this. I know it well. I've got the album myself, and I'll have to make you a little jealous here. I, I, that's why I saved it and didn't tell you in pre-show. I've met Ray Stevens. Oh my! I happened to be at a, uh, of all things, a user, a computer user group meeting for uh, uh, mainframe systems that I used to work on years ago. I was down in Nashville. I got to stay at the Opryland 
it used to be called the Opryland Hotel. It's called something else now. Um, and it was right next to Opryland, the amusement park. Uh, anyway, he was filming the music video for Guitar Zan while I was there. And he was there along with Jerry Clower. Do you know who Jerry Clower is? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, uh, the Leadbetters. He talked about the Leadbetters, uh, Cleophus and Leophus and whatever all they were. Uncle Eugene Leadbetter and all the. But uh, Ray, they were filming it, and I was able to. I think I still have the picture of him and I. I took there. They were filming it in the atriums. The Opryland Hotel has these huge indoor atriums. I mean, they're gigantic. And uh, they were filming, and I got my picture taken with him in his Guitar Zan suit. But uh, if you go watch that video for Guitar Zan, it shows you can. It's it's filmed in one of the atriums. It was, and that part of the atrium was right outside the room I happened to be staying in at that time, which was just so wicked cool. I, I it was just so neat to meet Ray Stevens um, because his famous song, which I loved as a kid, uh, back when streaking was a fad, was the streak. Yeah, I just pulled up the lyrics for that one because I can't. Re- you know, when I'm sitting here talking, I can't remember the lyrics. But you know, the part I always remember was uh, it, it starts out with this uh, radio interviewer, and he's talking to this guy that was just uh, had just saw this guy run naked through the the grocery store or wherever, yeah. and, um, and uh, the guy said, uh, "Did you see what happened?" "Yeah, I did." I was standing over there by the tomatoes, and here he comes running through the pole beans, through the fruits and vegetables, naked as a jaybird. And I hollered over there, Ethel, I said, don't look, Ethel, but it's too late. She'd already been incensed. Yeah, that that's 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 a classic. I remember listening to that song when I was a kid, and it cracked me up. I lo- And I remember uh, some of the neighbors uh, that I had then, a couple of them got caught at the little, uh, we had a ball field. Uh, at the in the town, one of the towns next door to where I grew up, and they got caught streaking. And believe it or not, the little local newspaper put a picture of them running away. All you see is these four white butts going away. They had their T-shirts wrapped around their heads so you couldn't see their faces. They still ended up getting caught. <laughs> so. Well, and the the line I remember most uh, during this whole streaking fad was somebody streaked at the Oscars, and David Niven was standing up there. And there's there's some debate where they had this line pre. Uh, prepared ahead of time just in case or if this was off the cup but ba- basically some guy came running down the aisle uh, naked at the um, the Academy Awards at the Oscar presentation and run across the stage and D- uh, Dave Niven just kind of stands there and kind of deadpans well you have to respect somebody who isn't afraid to show his shortcomings <laughs> that's pretty good uh, but yeah Ray Stevens is great he had a lot of songs I love I like uh, Mississippi Squirrel Revival The Streak um, I'm trying to he think. Guitar had the A Rab. Yep. Um, trying to think what else he had. Some other ones. Oh, the Shriners Convention. That the, one was a classic. It. That's it. The Shriners Convention. That was the one I was trying to think of. Bubba revving up that great big Harley or something. Yeah. And he kind of used that same um, uh, technique that Bob Newhart would do, where you'd hear one side of a phone conversation. Yeah. And. Uh, Dag nabbit Bubba, how'd you get that Harley on the high board anyway? <laughs> yeah, he had, yeah, he he was classic. He did do some serious music, like you're like you you were talking about. He also did a song called Misty, if I remember correctly. Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that one too because I got several of his um, cassette tapes. Um, you just dated yourself. <laughs> yes, I did, um, and I do remember that one. 
and he yeah he did have a few he, what you'd call serious songs but you know i think his bread and butter so to speak was the uh the, the comedy songs and he, well when you do something well you might as well keep doing them um and i don't think i've never heard the you know regretted any of these things because as long as you make a living being the spotlight um i don't think a person would complain too much about you know what what got you there no, and he, you know, he's done pretty good over the years. He's continued to release a song now and then. Uh, I've seen a couple new things come out from him. I can't remember what the last new one I saw. It wasn't that many years ago I saw him come out with a new one. But, you know, with comedy albums, too, another one that I think uh, you and I both probably loved was uh, uh, Bill Cosby. Yes, I've got a couple of his, too. Um, there is... Um I, I can't. I, I do remember. I've got the one called himself. Yeah. And he's got a couple routines on there. Um, he's got the dentist one, which always just slays me. About how uh, the guy goes to the dentist and um, <laughs> they deaden his face. And then he's sitting there. You deaden my face. I my face is on the floor. And he does the whole the thing. The smoke thumbing out my mouth. Yeah, and then yeah, the smoke, the smoke. Because you know, the guy's drilling his teeth, and you, you sit there and you hear, and all of a sudden the smoke that's coming out of my mouth, and the guy, and the dentist says, "What? Smoke? Smoke? What? Fire?" <laughs> is that the is that the one where he talks about where him and his little brother Russell didn't know their names for a while? No, I don't remember that one. Uh, remember this the- one? This one ends with the uh, he. Then he has to spit because this is back before they had vacuums and everything to you know clear that stuff out. So you squirt some water in your mouth and you have to spit in a little toilet bowl beside the uh, the, the chair there. And so then he first time he put well, he had a cup, so he puts water, tries to drink it, and it just runs down his face because he can't feel his lip. Uh, it runs down his his front there. So then he tries again. And then he he kind of just you know thank God for gravity. It just kind of dribbles into the the little toilet bowl there. And then but then he goes to pull back, but he only goes so far because then. There's this a little uh, bit of a uh, spit connecting his lip to the yep. the toilet bowl, and and then the dentist goes, "Oh look, a rainbow." <laughs> that one, that album's classic because I think the last track on the second side is the one where he talks about going to get his tonsils out. Uh, let's see, I got the album up here. Um, again, I'm going to have to go back. He talks about natural childbirth, which I think that was about the time that we were probably uh, I started listening at about the time we had kids so i could relate to that um brain damage let's see something about, just, something about the way kids act um they know they they should do better but they have brain damage um yeah i vaguely remember it's been a while since i've heard that album uh then there was one that uh, killed the boy uh the kid misbehaves yeah. and the wife comes home and says just kill the boy yeah, so he said, go upstairs. I tell you, I kill you. I make another one look just like you, too. <laughs> yep. I think I used that line on my kids once or twice. Um, Bill Cosby School of Parenting here. Yeah. Uh, but then you got the chocolate cake for breakfast. And, you know, his rationale was, well, look at chocolate cake. It's got milk. It's got flour. It's got all the good things in life. And so the kids start dancing around. We, we got chocolate cake. Chocolate cake for breakfast. And, you know, dad's a hero until mom comes down. And, Why are you eating chocolate cake? Dad made us. You know, and they, <laughs> they turned on him. Yeah. No, the, the tonsil one is, I think it's on the end of the second side, uh, where he talks about getting his tonsils out. I remember him talking about... Uh, go, the morning of the, you were supposed to get their tonsils out they didn't get any breakfast he was in a ward with all these kids and the intern goes by and he hollers hey you almost a doctor come here 
<laughs> I don't remember hearing that one. Um, hmm. yeah, I'm pretty sure that's on that album. I have to no. go. And I actually have that album as an album. A true album. A big a plastic disc. <laughs> vinyl. Okay, um, you're dating yourself now, too, there, because that's, yeah. that's even older than cassettes. So, yeah, I yeah I know it is, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it uh, that was a good album. And I also, like, I used to listen to George Carlin. He was great. I loved Carlin. And oh, yeah. I, you know, the one routine of his I remember is uh, the seven words you can't say on radio. Yeah. Uh, and that one actually led to a Supreme Court case. So, uh, or was yeah. it the center of or was it... <sighs> I think it was the center of a, a Supreme Court case on what you can and can't say on the radio. Yeah, the seven, the seven word. Yeah, and uh, who's the other? I listened to Richard Pryor. Uh, who else did I listen to? Somebody else I used to listen to. Cheech and Chong. I listened to them for a long time. Oh yeah, I remember when they were on the radio. Sister Mary Elephantine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Catholic school. <laughs> yes. Um, Oh yeah, Cheech and yeah, I remember Cheech and Chong before they you know those guys split up. Um, and like I said, a lot of these they would play on our AM radio stations around here. That's how I got introduced to a lot of that stuff. Uh, oh, you know what I remember, and I, I have to thank my ninth grade English teacher for playing for me is Steve Martin. Yeah, his very oh. first comedy album. Um, and it's King the one, Tut. Uh, I think it has King Tut on it, if I remember correctly. But there's one other, she taught, brought it up, I don't remember how the topic got, we were talking about smoking in school, and she played the cut from that album where he talks about smoking and all that, and he says, yes, I'm sitting, wouldn't it be nice if when you're sitting in a restaurant, and a guy leans over from behind and says, you mind if I smoke? And he says, no, mind if I fart? (laughs) (laughs) So, Uh, it was, that, he was classic. That's when he still had kind of, the cover of that album, I think... He still had dark hair. His hair hadn't turned completely white at that point. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, the the land of Wikipedia here. I'm trying to bring that one up. Yeah, because I remember that one. I, I, you know, King Tut was his, uh, I guess, breakout. Um, yeah, King Tut. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. What, 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 when I'm sitting here talking, I can't, you know, think of it. But uh, you're like me. You have the same trouble. You can't chew gum and walk at the same time. Yeah, or try to think and at the same time, and you know, and he's somebody now. He's into um, he's got a bluegrass uh, musical career going on. Well, yeah, I mean, he was a hell of a banjo player. Oh yeah, and the, you know, the way he said that he learned to play the piano or the banjo was he would take uh, you know bluegrass albums or whatever and just slow them way down and just listen to them, and so he basically taught himself how to play the banjo just by listening to records and just kind of going boing boing, boing you know, just slowing them way down so you knew what the notes were, and and you, that takes some patience to do something like that. It does. It really does, because I don't think I could... Well, I have no musical talent, so I'll, I'll eventually say I can't carry a tune in a tin pail. But I am not afraid to sing on this show. Yeah, and I don't know. I uh, Hopefully I haven't offended too many people with, uh, you know, life is beautiful there, but... Uh... Everything is beautiful in its own way. <laughs> there you go. See, now, if you didn't, I did. And okay. I, and I, and I think on that note, it's probably about time we uh, 
we wrap the show up. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell everybody where they can find out about you and all your many, many talents and things you do? Well, I think I've got a few shameless plugs in this time, but just so I get the URLs out there. So where people uh, uh, want to go, if they want to listen to me, um, the Sci-Fi Tech Talk podcast can be found at sci com, And then my Bard on the Plains podcast, you can go to bardontheplains.blogspot.com. And um, that's where I have uh, my uh, my show notes and uh, everything for the uh, podcast that I do. And then if anybody wants to follow me on Twitter, it's uh, DSC Chipman um, on Twitter. Great. And I encourage you all, if you aren't, to follow Mike and listen to him. He's, uh, he's a good friend. I, I feel lucky to have, to have gotten to know him the way that we've gotten to know each other. And I do encourage you to find, listen and, and uh, read some of the stuff that he does. And if you want to find out about me, you can always go find me on Twitter at B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A or you can go over to about.me forward slash Kevin Alder. If you want to know more about the show or send us feedback or maybe leave us a nice review in iTunes, go over to geekiestshowever.com, and we would really appreciate a review in iTunes. Good, bad, or indifferent, we really don't care. It's all good. We're, we're not going to be picky. We're just happy to have people listening. So I think between now and next week, we'll, we'll say that uh, we hope Mark gets better and maybe he'll start wearing warmer clothes since it is winter down under and uh, we'll, he'll take off the mankini. And I do want to remind all the listeners that between now and next week, please, please be sure to hug a geek. Hello, I'm Mike McPeak from Bard on the Plains podcast. Growing up on the plains of South Dakota, I used to listen to my dad tell stories about his life. I never had a chance to record any of these, but I realize that everyone has a story to tell. And that's what I try to do on this podcast, tell anecdotes of my own and have other people tell their stories in their words and in their voice. So please listen to Bard on the Plains podcast. It's about stories, mine and yours.